Uh, this message this morning is for everybody who just doesn't feel like it. And <laughs> there are some of us in the room. So um, Mark takes me on Monday and um, he said, uh, I've got you down for preaching this Sunday. Are you still okay for that? And to be honest with you, it took me 24 hours to respond because I didn't feel like it. And uh, I, felt like, I felt like a hypocrite. I felt like if I was to stand up and preach, I'd be uh, so far removed from God's presence that I wouldn't be able to, to preach or hear from God to deliver anything. I felt like um, it'd be rubbish because if without God, it's going to be pants, isn't it? And uh, yeah, I just felt like my life had sort of spiritually, in my relationship with God, had slipped. And I'd reached a point on, on Monday, and you get that text, and you've got to be like spiritual and reply, haven't you? And kind of go, yeah, great. So I put it off for 24 hours, and, and God's on my case. And I'm like, God, I just don't feel like it. And I started with a cold, and I thought, well, that's a perfect excuse not to do it. Because I'm going to be mumbly and sniffy and all that. I've got more moisture in my sinuses than I have in my mouth at the moment because of this cold. And uh, I just didn't want to do it. And then, like I say, God's on my case. And he's like, well, if you don't feel like it, then you're the best person to talk to those people who don't feel like it. And oh, that's Holy Spirit. So, uh, so here I am. And um, so today we're going to be looking at, um, we're going to dive into the Lord's Prayer. So if you can stick a, a finger in Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13, and we're going to jump in a couple of Psalms as well on the way, on that journey to, uh, to the Lord's Prayer. So um, we're going to be dealing with our own slip-ups. Um, but one of the things that we're going to be trying to do this morning, or I encourage you to do this morning, is to use that phrase, and it's biblical, it's in Psalm 57, awake my soul. Sometimes we just need to tell ourselves to wake up, awake my soul, get ourselves in shape. Um, and the fact that we're called to be an army as well. What does that look like to be an army? And then we'll finish with the Lord's Prayer. So we all have periods of time in our lives where uh, we kind of lose our way a little bit. Now for some of us, that can be one conscious single act of uh, rebellion against God or doing something uh, to please ourselves. But usually for most of us, it's a slippery slope that we don't really notice what's going on. So when you start to think to yourself, I'm not enjoying worship, that's usually a good indicator. Or if you say to yourself, um, I'm getting a bit bored with church at the moment, that's a good indicator that, that maybe church isn't the problem, maybe it's yourself, maybe it's me. Back when I was 19, I was on a thing called Task Force. I might have shared this story before, but I'm going to share it anyway because um, it just popped into my head. I was on a thing called Task Force, and um, it's a, a voluntary thing with Assemblies of God, and you go and live in Scunthorpe with a bunch of other young people, age 18 plus, and you go around the country in small teams, working with churches and doing mostly leaflet delivering and all that kind of donkey work sort of thing for churches. And you do some kids' work and stuff like that as well, and youth work and detached work and so on and so on and so on. And uh, I started in the January with this other lad called Matthew Rowley, and uh, he's a fantastic guy, so, so funny. But I didn't see the funny side of it. And he was just making jokes all the time. You know, he was one of them characters that everybody loved him, nobody loved me. And, and I kind of felt a bit sort of, you know, 
well, it's not fair, a bit grumpy, a bit grouchy. And I thought the issue was him. I thought the reason why I was feeling so negative, it was because of him. You know, it was his fault. And, and, but then I went home in the August. It took eight months. So I went home in the August for a break. And um, I was praying, and I just felt like it wasn't like a, a word from God or a major revelation. It was just a penny drop. Actually, no, the problem's me. And then since then, I went back to Task Force, spent the rest of the, the, the year there until the December, and we got on so brilliantly, because the problem wasn't him, it was me. And sometimes with church, the problem isn't church, it's me. Do you know? And I think sometimes we just have to take a check. Check out, where's this attitude coming from? Where's these thoughts coming from? So the enemy seeks to condemn us, and we get bombarded with feelings of guilt and shame, that we shouldn't show our faces at church because we would be hypocrites. We can't stand there and raise our hands, because that would be hypocritical. Now, Liz likes to ask me to pray for her at night time. And over the last few weeks, I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to do it, because I felt like, well, I don't pray for myself... It'd be hypocritical to pray for, for Liz, wouldn't it? But on the outside, yeah, sure, I'll pray for you. What do you want me to pray for? And then dive into it. I'm going to pray, it's okay. But, you know, it's that feelings, and you let the feelings get in. But that's all they are. They're just feelings. And it's important to remember that. So we have to give ourselves a bit of a spiritual slap. Now, I don't encourage us to go around the church spiritually slapping other people. It's for you to slap yourself, okay? You can do that as hard and as soft as you like, whatever's necessary. Incidentally, just remembered, I was going through Facebook. Uh, yes, you know you, you see a little movie thing and you think, oh, just watch that for a few seconds, that's really funny. And I need to get Facebook off my phone because I do just sit there and start looking at it for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And before I know it, you know, I could have been reading my Bible in that time and being really spiritual. So uh, I'm flicking through Facebook. Well, you do, you do feel guilty, don't you? So I'm going through Facebook and I come across this video of, um, in Russia, they have this slap, have you seen it? It's slapping fights. And these massive burly guys will just stand there and they'll just go, and these guys just take it and they do one at a time backwards and forwards backwards and forwards this guy's got uh, a bleeding inside of his mouth his face is out here and instantly lost but um, it's just crazy <laughs> surprise surprise but it's crazy but, yeah, I know so don't go slapping other people but you can slap yourself so we, we need to uh, come back to uh, the throne of grace Hebrews 4 verse 16 talks about receiving mercy and finding grace at that time of need, at the throne of grace, God's throne of grace. That actually, do you know, we, we want to go and work it out ourselves. We, as men, we want to go and find our shed. Um, I've got a little man cupboard in our house, but it's so crammed with recycling box and guitar case and tools and all sorts that I can't get in it to have a sulk. And the shed's too full because I've got all sorts of things in there as well. I've got nowhere to go. But... We just like to go away and hopefully try and work these things out ourselves, sort them out, and then come back when we've kind of been on that sort of journey. But what we need to do is go, actually, no. I recognise my attitude isn't quite right. I recognise that something's misaligned. I need to go, give myself a bit of a slap and come back to the throne of grace. Because the, the, 
The door is always open to the throne of grace. And we can always come back. Even with our guilt and our shame and our hypocrisy, we can come to God. And he knows exactly. So we just have to say to ourselves, awake my soul. So if we could turn to Psalm 57, please. And it's verses 8 to 11. Okay, you got your phones on, apps at the ready. It just says this, Awake my soul, awake harp and lyre, awake, I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over the earth. Awake, my soul. Awaken the dawn with the sounds of praises, with the sound of stirring ourselves up. Then we enter the day with intention. If we get up and say, awake, my soul. We get to church and we're feeling sluggish. Awake, my soul. So I'm trying to clap and I just feel a little bit kind of a release as I start to clap in worship. And the very first time that I ever lifted my hands in worship, I just felt electric. You know, when you just step out physically and do something beyond. And you notice when, uh, when Rizon arrives, you know, sometimes he's late and we've started worshipping and it's going okay. And then Rizon walks through the door doesn't he? You know? And, and he just lifts the place, doesn't he? It's just something about his praise and his worship because he's learnt to step out of his comfort zone, of his physical barriers, of his, in, his Britishness and, and all these kind of things that we hold back with. And when you just start to step out, you're waking your soul, you're stirring something within your spirit that then connects with God's, God's presence. And that's one of the things the enemy doesn't want. He doesn't want us to connect to the enemy's presence. If he can keep us away from that, we're going to feel isolated, abandoned, alone, and we'll start blaming God for feeling like orphans and all the rest of it. You know? But, but God wants us to be connected into his presence. So some Christians, probably most Christians, would confess at least once in their lifetime not to be reading their Bibles much or praying much. You know when you get up, you, you're getting yourself ready, you notice the Bible on the shelf, it's like, read me, read me, and you're kind of like, well actually I'm a bit busy at the moment, and you've got to do different things, and you come past it again, read me, read me, you think, I really need to move that, <laughs> hide it away somewhere, because it's looking at me, and I know I need to read it, but you're busy, and you justify it, and you give yourself excuses as to reasons why, and then you go, uh, oh, I, I, I could do with praying, so, um, but actually I'm a bit busy, and, and people are talking to me, so I can't pray, and then I need to get to work, and oh, um, I could read, I could pray in the car maybe, not read, because that would be dangerous, you could, you could, you could pray in the car, but then you get distracted by traffic and, and numpties cutting you up and all the rest of it. So it's a difficult, difficult dilemma because we're then feeling like we're, we're guilty because we haven't done our Bible reading or we haven't prayed maybe as much as we, we should have done. So um, one of the things that uh, we, we often can say is, is just that, you know, that we, we haven't really read our Bible very much or we haven't prayed very much. And then what we tend to do in Christendom, in, in churches all over, is pamper that. We make allowance for that. We pamper it way too much. We say, oh, it's things like, you know, God understands. He understands you're busy. Um, you know, he won't mind. 
He's just glad that you're following him, that kind of thing. You know, we make allowances for our slipping in our discipleship with God. And then if I set the bar low for you and say, well, it's okay, don't worry about it. You know, you're busy, you've got life's happening, that kind of thing. I'm making allowances for myself. And as my standard, if you like, slips lower, and I say, well, actually, I've not read my Bible for a week. You go, well, don't worry about it. You know, God still loves you and you can come back to God with grace and all that sort of thing. And all that is true. But my stand is down here. And then I talk to somebody else and they say, well, I haven't read my Bible for a month. And I go, well, I haven't read mine for a week. So I really can't say too much about it. So don't worry about it. God loves you anyway. And so as a, as a church, as, as, you know, globally, nationally, locally, maybe even here, we lower the standards of expectation of being disciples and what that means. So, we think about an army, and, uh, you know, I watched that Peter Jackson um, thing, that, you know, World War I in colour, and um, he got voiceovers of people that were interviewed, and it's an incredible documentary, it's about an hour or so, hour and 15 minutes, something like that, and, um, you know, you've got, um, you've got this, uh, an ex-serviceman talking about his experience, and, uh, you know, they went over, the, they got out of the trenches, and running across the man's land, and... Uh, uh, one got hit in the arm and one carried on and Billy got his face blown off. Well, what a look, old boy. And it was just so matter of fact. But one of the things they did talk about was um, whilst they weren't fighting, there's so many days in the trenches, so many days on the line, and then so many days behind the line. And they loved that experience. They said it was like uh, outdoor camping with your mates. You know, you do lots of different activities and it was a lot of work and things like that. But you just love that camaraderie. And I think there's something about an army, regardless of the conflict and uh, the horrific trauma they've experienced, either physically on themselves or they've seen around them as their friends fall in most horrific ways, there's something about that united camaraderie, that um, unitedness, that shared experience that only somebody who's been in the services could really ever uh, understand. And yet, a few weeks ago, it was shared here in this church that we are to be an army. I've been in another church when we were in uh, Gateway a number of years ago. There was a prophetic word brought that we are to be, to be an army. Now, okay, as Christians, then, if we are called to be an army, there's something about that shared experience. There's something about that camaraderie. There's something about being in the trenches together and fighting this together and having the same common enemy and then when we're not out you know you're doing your stuff on on the brigade and whatever else when we're not out doing that up front stuff you notice how oh there's been plans to go out and and kind of advance the kingdom in brigade and then half of us are ill or don't feel like it or you know that kind of thing and and do you notice the 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 the, the pattern that's happening here. And so the next time that's planned, watch out for those people who don't feel like it. Watch out for yourself when you don't feel like it. Watch out for those that are around us that are feeling ill and unwell and have all sorts of sicknesses and, and so on because there's something we're looking to push. We're looking to push the enemy back. We're looking to change something in the heavenlies that, that the enemy doesn't like. And so there's a bit of an onslaught. But he tries to get in through the back door. Just that little feeling of, well, I don't feel like it. Well, I'll just miss me Bible reading today. And maybe I'll pick it up tomorrow. And before you know it, a lot of time has passed. So if we're thinking about um, an army. Um, if you were a soldier with no training, you'd be useless. 
I'd be useless. I wouldn't know where to run, how to hold the gun or anything like that at all. We wouldn't know how to use the equipment at our disposal. We wouldn't know how to function in manoeuvres. We would be all over the place. And sometimes as a church we can be a bit like that. We can just be a bit all over the place. You know, we're not all functioning as a tight unit. If we never read the field manual, we'd also be pretty useless. Um, Yet our Bibles tend to stay closed from one day to another. And I don't want to say this as condemnation, because I want to give you hopefully what might be an insightful tool to help us. And I just want to kind of give us a bit of a kick, really, uh, stir us a little bit, and then help us a little bit. So hopefully you won't stone me by the time I, I sit down. So now if a soldier, if you were a soldier in an army and you weren't physically fit, you wouldn't be able to keep up. You wouldn't cope with the the rigour of everything that was entailed in it. So do we look after our health? That we can be people that respond because we're physically capable of doing that. If you weren't mentally fit, you wouldn't be able to cope in an army. Yet we wonder why we're struggling when we don't surrender our minds, our thoughts, to being renewed by the word. We can struggle with also many things that, you know, the mind is a battlefield and yet we're not disciplined with our minds and we let all sorts of things in. Um, Liz and I were talking a few weeks ago, then Kath mentioned it and other people have mentioned it. Um, the, the guy Tony who preached a few weeks ago mentioned it as well about what we say is really important and uh, what we let in is really important because, you know, out of the heart the mouth speaks and we often let so much rubbish in that we then start regurgitating those crass jokes or whatever they are, you know. And uh, as funny as they are, but there's all sorts of things that we can watch. And we might say, okay, you know, I draw the line at horror. Horror horror's not good for you at all. I get that. And we, we won't watch a horror film or we might not read a Stephen King book or something like that because we understand the direct effects and the influences that are involved in all that sort of thing. But then we might watch something else or read something that is a bit grey area, you know. We're not too sure, but we'll give it a double. Um, and, you know, we, we, we let stuff in. And I'm not, I'm not going to stand here and give you a list of all the things that are right and wrong. But we need to be in tune with the Spirit, really, and, and allow him to uh, really help us to know what's right and what's, what's, what's wrong, what we should let in and what we shouldn't let in, you know, and guard ourselves from that. Because as our standards slip, what we allow slips. And then our standard slips that bit further. And then what we allow into our lives is almost so much more dangerous. And then when we've gone over that threshold, you know, anything's possible because we've gone so far, we feel so far removed from God that we don't feel good enough to be in God's presence. And so we let ourselves slide off into a life of doing all sorts of things that are not really very good for us or healthy for us. But I would say that I don't think God is so much bothered about sin as he is about the effects of sin. Because what he wants is that communion with us. What he wants is to see us blossom, grow, develop, become Christ-like. That's what he's looking for. And he just sees sin as that thing that's going to damage our relationship with God and damage our community, damage our society and our relationships. He understands that. I get that. But it's, he's more concerned about us and where we're at than the sin itself, whatever that sin is. 
So, um, if you don't know the mission, you would fail the mission because you wouldn't know what, what's the end point. How do you know you've succeeded? How do you know you've achieved it? We would be all over the place. So, knowing the vision, i.e., First World War, winning the war was the vision, and there's a whole multitude of missions within that to achieve the objective. And so, for us to know uh, the end of the book, know the know revelation, know the Bible, know the outcome, that's our mission, uh, that's, our, that's our vision for the whole host of missions in between. And it's for us to get into that. Uh, without a mission, no one knows uh, what we're doing or where we're going. If we don't communicate, you wouldn't know where to go. So there's no communication, no uh, commands from, uh, uh, from above, if you like. We, we would be all over the place. We wouldn't really know what to do, where to go, who to shoot at. Um, miscommunication would cause, and this has happened a few times in, in battles, uh, miscommunications has caused artillery to land on their own troops. Now, can you imagine the devastation? That you, you, you think you're in um, a, a secure area, a safe area, you know where the enemy is, and then before you know it, you're bombarded, uh, bombarded, and you don't even... Uh, well, you know it's not coming from the enemy, and how devastating must that be? And what would it be like if you changed from one unit to another unit? So you go from being a paratrooper to a Navy SEAL, to being a Marine, to being an SAS, to be a Home Guard, or whatever it might be. You're changing from one to the other. You know, constantly changing. And as Christians, um, we can be guilty of changing church, of jumping from one unit to the other, changing from one church to the other. And each church has its own mission its own mission field, its own people that surround that church that we're here to, to reach out to. We maybe do have phases, you know, of feeling very spiritual and that we feel like we can take on all the demons and we can challenge anything that comes against us. But more often than not, you know, let's be, let's be honest, we do feel often very uh, weak and are not always able to deal with those things that come against us. And if you was a soldier they would understand the term discipline. Discipline, discipline, discipline. Again, on Facebook, I saw a video, I didn't watch the whole thing, but the strap line was, uh, if you want to be successful, make your bed. And uh, this guy was talking about, if, you know, get up, make your bed. Go out and do everything else you've got to do. Get up, make your bed. And you make your bed perfectly. And that's a discipline. And we've got to just instill within us a discipline, of a spiritual discipline of reading our Bibles and praying and again, that's not to make you feel guilty, but just stir you. Actually, you know what? We are an army. We have a field manual. We have a general. We have commands. We have the commission to go. We have so much at our disposal. So let's train ourselves. Let's equip ourselves. Let's awaken our souls. Let's stir ourselves to go. So let's make some changes. Let's get in gear. Let's get ready. Because there's a battle ahead, there's, there's a battle to be won, and we're a part of it. And each one of us plays our part. So I want to help you practically. Um, and I was thinking about, uh, the Lord's Prayer sort of popped into my head earlier this week as well. Around about the time I was feeling sulky and, and didn't really want to preach and all the rest of it. And uh, I was thinking about, uh, well, Mark asked me for a title. And uh, before I knew it, I was just texting back, wake me up before you go-go. Um, <laughs> 
So I'm not a Wham fan. Uh, I'm not a Wham fan in any way, shape or form. Uh, I'm not a George Michael fan, but wake me up before you go-go. And it's just that feeling of, okay, I'm waking up this morning. God's got a day ahead for me. Hang on. Wake me up. Wake me up. Come on, soul. Up we go. Let's get going. God's got a plan. God's got something happening this day. I want to be a part of that. Wake me up. So, if we could turn to uh, Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13, that would be great. All right. So, I just want to break this down a little bit. Because to be honest with you, there's bits in here I just don't get my head around. Um, and as I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer, it kind of almost instantly popped into my head. And whether this is right or not, I don't know. But it can be just a model. And it's a model for your day. Okay, We think of it as a prayer that we just rattle off. And to be honest with you, I can remember times past when I was feeling a bit rubbish and a bit kind of unspiritual. And so I just prayed the prayer all the way through, over and over. And to be fair, it did help. But what I want today is to look at just thinking about this as a, a, a model to help you through your day. So it starts with this. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. So it's to start the day with praise. The focus on the one who gives you breath. To wake the dawn. Get your CDs on. Get your Christian CDs on. Get some worship going, you know. Just fill the house. Fill your car with some praise. With some worship. It's a new day. Awake my soul. Your kingdom come. So this is drawing on all that heaven has for us this day. Not self-reliant, but looking to God to bring his kingdom. Not by our own efforts, but by God's. Jesus was on the scene in uh, Matthew 4. So he's on the scene and he says, the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus is there, the kingdom of heaven is near. We enter our arenas of life, wherever that might be. And we can declare that the kingdom of heaven is near. Whether that's a workplace, a family day, at church, the kingdom of heaven is near. So what could this look like? What should it look like? How different would our days been if at the start we say, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's opening us up to the leading of the Holy Spirit. For you to reflect something of heaven in your workplace, your family, your social situations and community settings. Our spiritual ears open to what God wants to say and how he wants to use us. So we don't need to enter the ministry to be called by God. So okay, if you are called to your workplace, you are called. If God has called you, that's his will. If it's his will, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I've spent many, many years being very mediocre at a lot of things. I can do a lot of things okay-ish, but not particularly well. Because I can remember growing up as a young Christian and hearing that pretty much everything apart from God was an idol or a distraction, and so you didn't really put too much effort into anything, whether that's riding your bike, playing a sport, whatever it was, because God should always come first. And of course God should always come first, 
But if God's will is for you to be that person in that job, be the very best teacher, youth worker, pastor, programmer, doctor, team leader, social worker, electrician, business owner, salesperson in your field. I was trying to think of all the uh, different jobs in there. Um, lecturer. Um, so think about where you are. Where has God put you? Be the very best. Be the expert in the room. So I've been thinking about youth work recently, and um, I've done it for a lot of years. I can do it okay, but in terms of the theory, I don't remember a lot of the theory, because it's a long time since I trained. And for me, I think, actually, no, I need to come back to a place where I relearn all that stuff, because I want to be the expert in the room when it comes to youth work. I want to be the person with the knowledge. I want to be the person with the expertise to be able to share that with other people. Give us this day our daily bread. So we get to breakfast time, or we get to lunch time, or maybe even it's gone to tea time, and we remember that all everything that we have in our lives is from God. So that draws us into a place of thankfulness, to be thankful for what God has done for us, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of how the day is going. We thank God for his daily bread, for his provision. And of course, the word, the bread is the word. Jesus answered, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, from Matthew 4, 4. We need his word daily. We need to read it, ingest it, We need to live it and own it. It's ours. God's given it to us, for us. Let's use it. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now Jesus goes, okay, here's a model for prayer for you. Use this, knowing full well that we are going to mess up countless times. You know, He's like, we'll slip this one on because they need to know that they're going to mess up. And it's okay. You are going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. I have. You have. But we can come back to God. So forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins, forgive us our mess-ups as we forgive others, our slittens, our mess-ups, our faults and failings. You know, we're going to get offended by someone during our day. That's inevitable. Someone will do our heads in. Someone will try and use us for their own gain and put us down to lift them up. This is where we need grace to forgive others. Especially if we want forgiveness. Because the key to our forgiveness is to forgive others. And we don't know why that person is the way they are. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know the way, why they responded the way they did. We don't know what's going on. Have they just lost somebody? Are they going through some horrific situation? They've just got some really bad news. You know, people behave in all sorts of ways. And so we have to be gracious when we we think of other people. We think about the things that they say and do to us. And we have to forgive. So if they give us an offence, really, it should be their issue. They've said it. They've behaved. They've responded. They've said the thing the way they have. Because something's going on in them. So, yeah, stop beating yourself up. It's okay, you're going to mess up. But the quicker we can uh, forgive other people, the better. 
That's good for us and it's healthy for us. And we know we can come before the throne of grace knowing that we can receive forgiveness. But do not lead us into temptation. So we've been forgiven, so we've prayed, you know, forgive us for our debts. And so now do not lead us into temptation. We've been forgiven, now reserve Preserve me, sorry, from my sinning again, whether that's new sins or repeated old sins. Preserve me, help me. And temptation could be translated as test or trial. It can be referred to as a persecution or spiritual conflict. You see, I've been looking through some commentaries and pulling out a few things and thought, oh, that's interesting. Now, I've always wondered why, because God doesn't test, God doesn't tempt us to do something evil. Evil doesn't come from God. So trying to get my head around this passage was, was tricky. But it, basically, if you're asking God to protect us, save us, secure us from spiritual conflict and persecution... I guess that can be a good thing because nobody wants persecution. The verse, seek, the, the verse is seeking wisdom from God to avoid conflict and division. And now this to me was starting to make the penny drop a little bit. You know, um, leaders not into temptation. That temptation to have an argument, that temptation to bring division, that temptation to have conflict in the church or in the community, that temptation to destroy relationships. You know, it's important that we should um, consider our brothers and sisters in everything that we say and do and think before we speak often. But deliver us from the evil one. The Bible says that temptation can lead to sin and sin can lead to spiritual death. So if this morning you feel like you've slipped a bit, you don't feel like it, you don't feel like church, you don't feel like singing, you don't feel like being very much of a good Christian because you feel like you're, you're guilty and you're, you're shameful and hypocritical, all those sort of things, we can come back to God and say, God, deliver me. Deliver me from this evil one. Deliver me from the temptation. Deliver me from uh, these feelings that I have because they are only feelings. They are not reality. And the reality is that we have a good God. We have a gracious, loving Father who calls us into, our, into his presence, who wants to commune with us very, very closely. We need that protection from God. When we drift off and go off and do our, our own things, we leave ourselves wide open and we leave, our, leave ourselves vulnerable. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What a great way to finish a prayer. And I was thinking about this. When you get to the end of the day, and you may be getting into bed, and Liz is asking me to pray for her, and I'm not feeling like it, but I'll do it anyway. And I stop and think, I've seen something today of your kingdom. I've seen something, I've experienced something of your power today. I can sleep knowing it's all for your eternal glory. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Can we go to sleep at night going, you know what? I've seen something, God, of your kingdom today. I've been in that. I'm a part of that. Have you experienced something of his power? Whether you observed it or you felt something of God's power through you touching somebody else knowing that it's all in God's hands, in God's glory, eternal forever. So I think God is calling us back to the ranks, to get in position again, to get into shape 
again. To give ourselves a bit of a slap, each one of us that needs it, give ourselves a slap, knowing that God is calling us to take on the battle, to take on what God has got for us, lined up for us to take on. And we can only do that when we get into ranks, we get into formation, and we work together, we support each other, we give each other that little kick where we need it. We pick up our Bibles again, we get praying again like we know we ought to, and we get ourselves in that position where we go, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm knowing, I'm in that place where God has called me to be, where God wants me to be. Your will be done, God. That place of work, that family situation, whatever it is, your will be done. And I'm right in the centre of it, God, because I give it all to you. Amen. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we we love. love.